And we're back on this Sunday morning Sports Medicine Weekly. Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole. Hey, folks, if you're a golfer and a baseball fan, great event coming up on Thursday, September 24th, Prairie Landing Golf Club in West Chicago. It's the Spectrios Institute for Low Vision holding its annual golf classic. And this year it's in honor of the late Ed Farmer honoring Ed's legacy of charity. Hawk Harrelson will be there as well other celebrities. Again, Thursday, September 24th, Prairie Landing Golf Club in West Chicago. It's the Spectrios Institute for Low Vision's annual golf classic. Foursomes are still available. For more information, go to spectrios.org slash golf, or you can call them at 630-690-7115-630-690. 7115. And time now for our Ask the Doctor segment, giving our listeners the opportunity to have Dr. Cole address their specific sports injury issues. Easy to submit a question. You go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. Homepage, you're going to find a link underneath the photo of Dr. Cole and yours truly. Click on that link and you can submit a question. Dr. Cole got a great one here from one of our listeners. And um, I love this one. You're going to enjoy it, too. He says, Dr. Cole, let me take you back in time. In the mid-70s, I was playing eighth-grade football, uh, tackle football, and suffered what they told me was a chip bone in my knee. I believe it was a helmet to the kneecap. X-rays were taken by my orthopedic surgeon, and I had fluid on my knee. The orthopedic doctor put me on crutches. He said the fluid would eventually go away and suggested I not play tackle football ever again. My question is, what would you do today to treat this injury? So I guess what he's asking is, you know, what, you know, if that happened today and someone had, quote, a bone chip, they used to call it a joint mouse or a foreign body, there's nothing foreign about it. I mean, it's just a piece of bone and cartilage, and we see it uh, not infrequently with a direct blow to the knee. So it could be an individual who dislocates their kneecap because they take a helmet to the knee or plant and twist. Kneecap goes off to the side, knocks off a piece of bone and cartilage. Uh, it could also be some, an underlying condition that was not causing a problem. There's one condition, Steve, that I, that I deal with called OCD or osteochondritis dissecans. It's sort of like one of the growth plates doesn't completely fuse, and it leaves this little island of bone and cartilage. And trauma can loosen it and actually displace it. So today when this happens, um, yeah, the swelling can go down with a little bit of rest, but we don't like to leave these pieces in the joint, generally speaking. They can find their way and kind of hide for a bit, but they can also cause significant pain and locking in the, in the knee and might even cause damage to the cartilage surfaces when you got this thing floating around in there. So most of us, if the piece is sizable and, and catching and getting in the way, we'll recommend an arthroscopy, which is where we use a camera and uh, with we'll a couple of little incisions and we remove it. And it's a pretty quick recovery. I mean, I can get an athlete... Uh, back to play within two, three weeks sometimes uh, just after having this little piece removed. So I'd say because we have arthroscopy now, the ability to to get at things with minimally invasive procedures uh, and a good understanding of why we wouldn't want to leave it, we today would probably recommend removing a piece that was floating around the knee after a trauma such as this. But I guess it proves the point that um, medical science has changed in uh, the last 35, 40 years, correct? Yeah, I mean, you think about it, Steve, what we used to do when someone would tear their ACL or their MCL, the ligament on the inside, we put them in a cast for six to eight weeks. And wow. yeah, they got, they, they, get, they weren't unstable. That's because they got stiff and they started to get arthritis. So it's, you know, we've, it, it's amazing how things have changed, obviously. I mean, you know, just think back to the Tommy John problem. One guy, uh, Job, decides that he's going to try to fix this thing, and that would have been heresy. It was considered heresy at one point, you know. And now it's the mainstay of treatment for our baseball players who, who tear that ligament. So we've had some amazing advances. And, you know, going back to that, Dr. Cole, one other question. You would have drained the water, or or is that drained by itself, like the so-called water uh, yeah. on the knee, the fluid? 
Yeah, that was a common thing. You know, I've got, quote, water on the knee. And um, I would say that today, unless it's not impeding motion, I would advise a patient, let's take some anti-inflammatories. And it probably wasn't water. It was probably blood uh, at that stage. But people do get fluid on the knee, and it's, it's, it's unnerving when it's the first time it happens to you. But the vast majority of it goes away if it's just an incidental thing, especially with trauma, and it resorbs itself. But if it's really limiting motion and it's super tense and difficult to, to bend, then I will sometimes put a needle in and just pull it out. And that's pretty easy to do, and patients do appreciate it when they're that symptomatic. Interesting. Okay, second question for our Ask the Doctor segment from one of our listeners. And again, folks, go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com, if you want to contribute a question. you got a question for Dr. Brian Cole. And this listener says, Dr. Cole, if I wanted to get my 10-year-old son into lifting weights, how should I start? Well, that's a great question. And I think it's important to say that, that to understand that kids are not many adults when you talk about training. So the goal, I think the main goal is when you're dealing with kids, just build a positive association with the activity that can last, you know, a lifetime. They've got to be having fun. When I've been in exercise programs for young people, we've really emphasized making it fun. And sometimes they don't even know they're exercising. Uh, so it shouldn't be something they say, oh my goodness, I got to go work out. Or like they're going to practice the piano. It should be something they say they, that they look forward to and that they really feel they're having a good time with. So it can be on just basic fundamental things, you know, climbing, crawling, jumping, tumbling, all kinds of things like that. Um, so it could be, you know, for example, Steve, like you could build a program for a, a young person um, that's not your typical, you know, lifting weights, but, you know, uh, sort of fun movement, if you will. So you could have them, you know, climb up and over a box, run back and forth in the garage, doing uh, squats, bear crawls, uh, make it fun, have games and things like that. I think, you know, the other thing is that um, uh, the biggest mistake parents make, I think, is trying to get their kids to specialize too early and uh, too intensely on these types of things. And you get a lot of burnout with these kids. Uh, so uh, tailor the programs to their sport, but make it fun and build lifetime uh, habits that, that help them stay engaged rather than uh, fear uh, or uh, resent the fact that they're being asked to work out. Additional question on that topic, Dr. Cole. Um, is there a certain age? I mean, w- would you have a kid lift weights at, at eight or nine, a boy or girl, or is there a certain age you're thinking about, um, you know, puberty or, or a certain maturity age? I think kids can lift weights at young ages, uh, like you're, you're saying, 8 to 10 years of age. But, again, you can't take an adult program and give it to a kid, and they're not likely to stick with it. And the other thing is, from a hormonal perspective, they're just not going to respond in the same way because uh, they just don't have the muscle development you know, uh, uh, system or physiology uh, that adults have. But I don't think it in, in modest uh, uh, you know, intensity uh, and frequency that it's a negative. But the, 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 the big deal is that these kids, if they try to go too heavy, too fast, um, without proper recovery times, they're at risk of injury and um, downtime. So I think you have to have some sensitivity to how quickly and how aggressively these kids engage in weightlifting. And again, I think you can do strength and conditioning. You don't have to resort to conventional weights uh, in general and still get the same result, if not more, because it'll be sustainable. Dr. Cole, great stuff. We're out of time. Uh, Wishing you and your staff, family, uh, patients, uh, good health. Uh, Stay COVID-free. And uh, we'll talk to you again next Sunday. You got it, Steve. Have a great week. Looking forward to it. Thank you. That's Dr. Brian Cole. I'm Steve Cashel. Net proceeds from our show, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. Many thanks to our producer, Shane Reardon, also to David Cole for managing our website and our business operations, as well as Samantha Smith 
from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cash. We say so long. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly. We'll be back again next Sunday morning, 7 o'clock Central, with a brand new edition of Sports Medicine Weekly, only on 670 The Score.